everyone. My name is Luke Reed. Welcome to a new podcast that my brother Paul and I will be hosting. We are going to be discussing our growth through the football world and being that we're newly fa- newly acquired fans to the sport. And just kind of chronicling what we see every weekend, what we kind of see in the future, and also giving a little bit of a fantasy Premier League spin upon everything. So that is a little bit about myself, but let's hand it over to Paul and have him introduce himself. Everybody, welcome to the podcast. We're going to have a good fucking time, and I was told not to cuss, but I just did. Um, The podcast, like Luke said, is going to focus mostly on FPL stuff and English Premier League, but I am extremely biased towards American players, so we're going to throw that in there, and Cristiano Pulisic is the best player in the world, FYI. But, um, yeah, we're just happy to have you listening, and we're going to get right into it and start breaking some stuff down. Overview of the previous game week. It was game week 20 um, with some rather large derbies to p- be played over the weekend. One of the, mo- the two most notable matches were Manchester United coming out 2-1 to one with a narrow victory over Manchester City on Saturday. And then a rather profound victory for Arsenal over their North London rivals, Tottenham, with a final of 2-0, which quite honestly never felt that close at all. Um, but some other matches that we might talk about and make note of throughout this podcast were Aston Villa with a 2-1 um, narrow win over Leeds. I rather felt that Leeds were in control of the entire match, but Aston Villa did enough to get across with the three points on the day. And then, rather shockingly, we saw Brighton with a 3-0 thrashing of Liverpool. And one of the most interesting portions of of this was seeing the manner in which Brighton counterpressed Liverpool. It was a vintage Liverpool performance that was rather shocking for Liverpool fans to be on the other side of a press such as that. And that's about it for the noteworthy matches of the weekend. Um, we also want to keep an eye on Newcastle United moving up the table with the 1-0 win against Fulham late on. It's a rather important win for them and keeps them in contention for moving up the table. I think they're in third in the table currently, if I'm not wrong. Um, let me check that real fast. I want to make sure I'm right about that. Yes, they are third in the table um, currently. Nine points behind Arsenal, but still within striking distance if Arsenal falter over the next couple of weeks or at the end of the season. So we'll keep an eye on that as we go through this podcast. But that's it for the week. Let's move over and dive into a full analysis of the Manchester Derby. This match literally almost ruined my whole weekend, and I'm not being dramatic. I personally have not a vendetta against Marcus Rashford. i very beginning with um, the comparisons to Christian Pulisic, which now apparently look terrible on my behalf. The big problem I had with this game, which I'm sure, depending on where you sit on the side of the fence, is Manchester United scoring that goal in the 60th. No, it's not the 60th minute. It was later on in the 78th minute. The Bruno Fernandes goal where Marcus Rashford runs offside and then Bruno picks it up while Marcus Rashford is pulling off two defenders and Ederson. And Bruno just runs onto it and slots it right past him. The biggest thing about that for me is that, I mean, they may have missed the call, but VAR has to interject and take the goal off. And in my opinion, Luke can disagree with me, but it, it should not have stood. And the thing about it, too, is that 
the game completely flipped. I mean, you look at that and then Rashford scores in the 82nd minute. City, I don't think City was dominant in this game, but they deserved to win more than United. I have to say that upon rewatching this match, while City had the majority of possession and really that's all you can say is they dominated possession. They were not threatening. They had at half a total of two shots, which for the amount of possession they have and the players of the class that they have, they should be doing, they should be much more progressive than that. It seemed as if they played exactly in United hand, United's hands. A kind of deserved way for United to win, honestly. I disagree with the offsides call. And they performed well. But, I mean, if you look at their XG, United's XG was 1.72 with an XG for City of, let me find that, of 0.65. And they, realistically, United could have had goals in the first half with Marcus Rashford running through and Ederson coming out, making a terrible decision to run onto him. And he has a 1v1 versus a defender that he just can't put in. So in all reality, I really do think this was a somewhat deserved result. If you're City, you do have to be somewhat aggrieved. The the ruling there, especially without VAR intervening, feels quite... it does kind of taint a little bit of it. I mean, you have you have Rashford running for five strides with the ball under his feet. And then you pull off two defenders and Ederson and then Bruno slots at home. So I slightly have to feel somewhat scarred from the result. But as a United fan, you'll be very, very happy with this overall performance. I'm saying it now. The Premier League is going to push Manchester United with City and Arsenal. It's going to happen. And there's going to be more instances of this. And I am prepared and I will call it out. You can follow me on Twitter. I will be there screaming and yelling my head off the whole time. Do you want to share your Twitter handle for everyone, Paul? I would love to. Let me look and make sure. I don't want to tell you all wrong. You're going to miss some quality tweets if I tell you the wrong thing. Okay, my Twitter handle is at P-A-U, Paul, read, R-E-E-D, 10. And yes, both those are spelled wrong. My name is Paul Reed. Not Paul Reed. We should do a little bit more of a tactical analysis of the match. One thing that I found rather interesting was the way in which Bernardo Silva would drop rather deep, receive possession, and then City would build out from that. But the it felt like the major way in which they were not quite being as incisive as they should have was their passing. They would continually pass around the outside and not find the central ball that would break them free. So I really do think that has to be a huge tactical choice by Tin Hog to allow them to keep possession deep, but just not giving them possession in those areas where they can really, really, you know, be a threat and use Erling Holland as, you know, the natural goal scorer that he is. So a little jump forward for you all, but I am a KDB owner of NFPL. And it was extremely frustrating for me to see what Fred did to KDB. He completely shadowed him and shut him down the whole game. It's something that I hate to see, and I clearly hate to admit, say this again, but I don't like United, and I hate talking good about them, but like they, they did execute their game plan very well. They they stayed in their shape. They defended well. I mean, we all know what City, what City is. They're the best team in the world, and they shut them down. Honestly, though, I will say that Jack Grealish, when he came in, he looked great. Where Marcus Rashford went down in the first half. And we know there was a collective sigh amongst all the triple captain Rashforders out there. 
Um, so congratulations for him staying in and getting those points for you if you had him in your team. It's rather frustrating to watch. I'm happy that he's okay, but um, you know, it, it was it could have gone one of two ways. Okay, and I think now we're going to pivot to the North London Derby in the yes. 14th minute. But no. As you can tell, Paul is a Saka owner, and he rode <laughs> the highs and lows of the roller coaster for FPL here, um, thinking that he had a goal from Saka and then turns into an assist and then turns into nothing. <laughs> so he he was an emotional wreck for a little bit there. But you really have to look at this error by Lloris here and think that he could have done much better. I mean, it does get a deflection off of Sessegnon um, before it heads to Lloris, but... For a goalkeeper of his class, you would have to think that he would do much better than this. Um, and then in the 36th minute, minute, you have Martin Odegaard, who is playing unbelievably well. Um, just a beautiful player to watch. He slots the ball in from outside the box in the bottom left corner, past Larice, And you also have to kind of question this effort by Larice as well. Um, he probably should have gotten there to that but it just it was not his day quick side note we're gonna let luke keep talking in a second but this podcast also is going to be a paul reed love for much and he is one of my favorite players in the world moving on from that <laughs> whenever you look at the breakdown the statistics of this match it really ended up being quite even um tottenham kind of grew into the match in the second half as they typically do it's quite the confounding variable here as to what happens to them in the first half. It really just seems like they don't show up. So um, that's hopefully something that Conte and Tottenham as a whole can address and hopefully move on past because they do have a rather good side. It's just we have to do kind of question their tactical setup, playing the back five. And, you know, they they absorb so much pressure. They're inciting a lot of chances on by other sides, especially when they're playing a top team like Arsenal who just – controlled possession in such a beautiful and controlled manner. You have to wonder why they would come into the match with that, that outlook. I really don't think that they're a viable way in 2023 to win the Premier League. You look at it, the last majority of all the Premier League winners the last, let's say, six, seven years have all been four backs. I think um, you just absorb too much pressure in that way. <clears throat> it takes a lot. I mean, you're going to give up goals and you're also you're just giving up too much attacking power if you look at Chelsea over the last couple of years and yes they've had injuries if you look at Spurs under Conte they just absorb too much and they they can't go on the front foot yes I understand the counter attacking football they play they have wonderful players up front that can hit you on the counter but they should also go for go for it more that's the I mean I, I just think there's no reason not to go for it in the Premier League. I mean, you have so many great teams now that you, you have to. You I mean, you, you have to be ballsy and just step out there and try to win the Premier League. I mean, you if you look at it, Spurs are not one of them. They're not – they're probably, a, I'd say, top top five most talented team in the league attacking-wise, and they, they just don't have enough firepower there. And also, I mean, I'm not a fan of their midfield either being placed on upon Hingman-san is not quite deserved. He has historically been one of the best players to ever wear a Tottenham kit, and he's going through a really poor stretch of form. But he 
we all do know that he is a world-class talent. Um, and it, it partially is probably due to Conte's system. He's just not allowed to have the 1v1 space that he's used to. So it'll be interesting to keep an eye on that over time to see if that's one of the main reasons why Conte pivot to system or if maybe he decides that Son is just not going to start for them for a little stretch and hopefully motivate him. I mean, we all remember that match against Leicester earlier in the season where he pulled out a wonderful hat trick against Leicester. It was it was quite the performance there. So hopefully we can see more of that from him going forward. Um, one note that I think we should also touch on was the after-match altercation that happened between Aaron Ramsdale and a fan. And it's very important to note that, that there was nothing that Aaron Ramsdale technically did wrong either. I mean, he w- he said he had some banter going back and forth with the crowd, but at no point should that ever be acceptable for a fan to even get near or approach a player, much less try to kick them. So hopefully the authorities can come through um, and find this individual and, you know, follow them, pursue them with the law and, you know, hopefully establish that conduct such as this is not acceptable. Big proponent of Aaron Ramsdale's fall. (laughs) I have not wished for it, but it would would be nice to see our boy Matty T getting some minutes in big games, you know. But that's just something that's completely unacceptable. Like, Ramsdale's doing his job, and yeah, I, I love when he banters the crowd. Like, go for it, dude. It's the North London Derby. There's passion. There's words being said. There's almost fights where Charleston's trying to grab people before they before they make a throw-in while he's on the sideline. Like, it, that's just stuff that should happen. But, I mean, there should never be an instance where a fan kicks a player. <laughs> Shaka was trying to go back and see what he could do. I don't know if he was actually going back for the fan or if he was if there were problems with Spurs. It was it was probably with the players knowing him, but the, the clip of Arteta spreading after him in the moment where he figured it out was going around Twitter. That that was that was a good little meme there, but I don't know. That that stuff just that fan should be banned for life and he should face criminal charges. I have no problem with that. So now we're going to pivot to one of the biggest results of the weekend was Brighton Hove Albion beating Liverpool 3-0, which was a rather, rather shocking result for Liverpool fans. If, you're, if you've been watching Brighton since Deserby got there, this would not quite surprise you because they've been very progressive and quite honestly, they look like one of the better top five teams in the league at the moment with their attackers of Marsh and Matoma on the wings. They're very creative while being insightful at the same time. And the young talent of Ferguson up top is, it's very exciting for the club in general. Um, One of the notes I really wanted to hit from this match was the manner in which Brighton was pressing Liverpool in such a Liverpoolian way. It was just, it was rather ironic to watch them. Liverpool conceding goals in the manner they were. That was so vintage Liverpool. Um, And I do have to give a shout out to Sully Marsh, one of the, prime FPL assets I was looking at earlier in the season who just you couldn't I couldn't hang on to because he was not getting the points that he needed but he will happily be coming back into my team this week um, and a couple of the drafts that I had for the going into game week 20 he was in every single one but the one that I went with so um, that definitely did sting especially with my poor performance over the weekend but we'll continue to grow from that one and it's really really nice to see Brighton um play like this and honestly just right and play at this point is just somewhat of a treat really they're they're a joy to watch and the way they play i mean 
they move the ball fast. They have expansive players that aren't afraid to take risks. They have, as Enterprise would say, they give them the keys to their own success. <laughs> a little um, Step Brothers reference for you. <laughs> or is that the other guys? I think it's the other guys. But the, the point is Brighton, they, they're just fun to watch. And I think there was a lot of criticism at first when Desarbi came in and they were – weren't getting quite the results they wanted. But, I mean, it takes time with managers, as we've seen. I mean, you have to you have to build your system. You have to get the right players. And the fact that Trossard's been benched for apparently a altercation in training and then he pissed off to Sarbi, like, he was one of the FPL assets before the World Cup break. And now he can't get off the bench because Matoma's been so good. It's It's just a fun thing to watch. I mean, like, as FPL fans, we know what happens. Things change very quickly, but we'll, we'll talk about it a little later on. But I'm I'm probably pivoting towards a couple of Brighton assets, but not their defense. Their defense scares the shit out of me. <laughs> but offensive wise, yeah, it'll be fun. I I had I, I carried McAllister for a while <laughs> earlier in the year, and he I missed all his big games, so that's very spot on for my FPL team. Y'all are gonna figure out my FPL team little transaction I've made. I've probably lost a lot of points throughout by. <laughs> by transferring people in and out, and then I don't get anything out of them. So we're going to learn not what to do by what I advise. And anything else, Luke? I think that with Brighton, there's a lot to be excited about going forward from an FPL perspective. There's extreme differentials there that are rather exciting for FPL owners. Um, but overall just, it's also, as I said earlier, just a lot of fun to watch them. So having an FPL asset in the game just adds a little extra, you know, spice to watching it. So I would really, you know, encourage you to take a look at them, see if they fit your team in the transfers that you need to make, because they do have a nice run of fixtures coming up. Um, so it's definitely something to consider. All right, so in this last little segment, we're going to wrap up our FPL weeks and kind of what we see going forward. Um, so I had a terrible week. I ended up with 36 points. Well, actually, not ended. It's actually a double game week. So I have not ended, but it doesn't look great. So I have De Bruyne, Zaha, Holland, and Doherty. I pronounced his name right. Go, Paul. Um I have them left to play. It's questionable. I'm going to need a big haul. It's possible. I have ca- haul in captain, so maybe we see... It's definitely possible. I don't know, Luke. What, what would your, what'd your week look like? My week was equally terrible. I have to say that it is dangerous playing FPL because it can just you know really ruin a weekend, especially in a weekend like this where you've got a nice double game week. I went with my captaincy. I decided to go with Harry Kane over Holland, um, and it it just did not pay off. Realistically, it didn't make a difference because both blanked this week. But I had De Gea in goal with Dello, which was a very early rash transfer on my part, and it was quite a terrible idea to make that transfer early. Um, then Trippier, Botman in the backing, so that was nice to get that clean sheet from Newcastle. And then I had Foden, De Bruyne. Almiron and Kulusevsky, all who blanked except for KDB with the assists on Grealish. 
And then up top, I had Holland, Kane, and Ferguson, with Ferguson the only one getting any kind of FPL result from his assist to Sully Marsh, which, going back to Brighton again, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm just fanboying over here like crazy. That was an amazing finish on his second goal to just slot it in with the left foot past Allison. Just beautiful. Um, but so my team is not looking too good. I still have what exciting. Um, we'll, we'll see how that goes after these matches conclude on Thursday. Also, I forgot to mention, um, shout out Mitrovic owners <laughs> and one of the worst pins I've ever seen in my life. Like this man really stepped up to the challenge and decided I'm going to give you zero points. My question is though, he still made it. <laughs> I mean, there is an infraction, so I guess it does make sense why he doesn't get the points for it. But it's not like he didn't technically miss a pin. But did it count? And did he give me FPL points? The point of the game, to get points? No. And he didn't get a goal out of it, so here we are. All right, let's kind of jump into um, where we're thinking about heading. I've taken a lot of point hits this, this year. Kind of um, being a bad planner, it happens. Um, but I think this week's going to be a historic week for me. I may take a negative twelve hit. <laughs> I am. I'm just going to roll the dice. I think I haven't made my transfers yet. I wish this was a visual podcast so you all could see my face when he said I'm going to take a negative twelve hit. But back to you, Paul. Um. So yeah, negative twelve. I. I'm very much, I, I'm for sure bringing Harry Kane on my team. I need the consistency. I need the points. In my mini league, I've fallen pretty far behind. I've been a seller dweller for a while, and I need to get out of there. And so I'm thinking about making some big changes. I'm, Matoma is for sure coming in my team also. And then Willie Nato, the man from Leeds, he looked great last week. He probably is coming in. I mean, at, at five... Five million, bringing them in, that's that's a deal for somebody that's in attacking positions like that. And I'm also thinking about James Ward-Prowse. He has looked awesome the last couple of weeks. They have good fixtures coming up. If if there's a free kick, don't worry. I'm going to be losing my shit because we need those points, baby. And I'm also thinking about, for a defender, I've thought about Ben Mee, maybe Ben White, a couple different options. But the problem here is that we're... And with a negative 12, I could possibly just wild card, but I really don't want to use it that early on. I mean, we still have more than half of the season left, right? Yeah, we still have more than half the season left. So we're playing the long game. I think if I take a negative 12, hopefully I can make up those points. Um, yeah, I mean, I also have Sokka already. He's not going anywhere. De Bruyne, he's going to stay because he's going to turn around eventually, hopefully. And then my back line sucks, but, you know, it, it's fine. It's okay. Next five game weeks or so, um, one of the most exciting ones is that of Manchester United. They have Arsenal next, then followed by Crystal Palace, Leeds, Leicester, and Brentford. All matches where you think that they will get pretty good results from, especially with the run of form that they're on. Um, they have really been playing well, especially with Marcus Rashford heading up the attack. He is in the form of his life, and he, he looks incredible out there. Paul Paul's booing if you can't tell, but um, regardless of how you feel about him, he's really really playing well right now. Um, another team that I, that I think we should highlight is that of surprise surprise. I'm saying this Brighton. 
um, all of their FPL assets are rather exciting and they're so cheap that it creates an opportunity for pretty massive differentials and you can fit them into almost any team if you're able to make the transfers. Um, two other teams that I think we should target as well are that of Arsenal and Man City. Um, Man City is not quite in the form that Arsenal is, but we all know they're going to go on a run of matches where they just they could easily put up five or six in one match. Um, but the scary thing about them is Pep Roulette where we're just not quite sure where he's going to go with the starting 11. So we've got to keep an eye on that. Um, Erling Holland will be locked into all of our teams, but it'll be interesting to see if people go with two or three um, other city assets within their teams. And then we also have to hit on Martin Odegaard and Arsenal. Um, Odegaard, as Paul pumps his fist on the side over here, has been playing exceptionally well. He has been in, 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 you would have to say, the form of his life up to this point. He's really been guiding Arsenal and their kind of reassurance for, you know, scoring goals and getting those necessary points they need to stay atop the table. So as an Odegaard, massive fan. I will say I am steering away from Odegaard at this point because everybody's going to bring him in. Everybody and their mom's going to bring him in. And he's he's great at the value. He said he's at 6.8, right? I think he's 6.8. He's the same as Martinelli right now. They're... To me, he gets in really good attacking positions, and the goals, his XG is good. Like, it's better than Martinelli's last I saw. But to me, it's just, the, I, I don't like going with the initial rush of a player like that. Maybe just wait, because he's going to even out. He's not going to keep scoring goals like this. He will not. He does so many good things for Arsenal, but I don't think he's going to be a consistent goal scorer. But hey, <laughs> as you as with my FPL team, I've been wrong a lot, so... Who knows? For FPL for the week. Um, unless, Paul, you have other points you want to hit on. Are there any other players you want to highlight? Um, so I think that will probably bring us to a close for the podcast for the day. Paul, do you have any closing thoughts? No. I'm just excited to go on this journey with you all. Let's have fun. Um, there's exciting stuff coming in the future, I think. I haven't mentioned this to Luke yet, but I would love to do a podcast where we just get drunk <laughs> and talk about FPL stuff, which would be a great time. Or bring in friends that know nothing about FPL and see what they have to say or friends that know that have a vast knowledge of soccer. So we're going to do a lot of fun stuff. We're going to make this an interesting listen. It's, it's going to be a good time. As he said, going on this journey with us, um, as we highlighted at the top, we are essentially novices in this area of soccer. We're definitely learning a lot as we continually grow and watch this, this beautiful sport. But um, there are going to be times where, might have some interesting takes or you know say some things you might disagree with and that's perfectly fine you know um let us know what you think um definitely open to connecting with everyone out there and kind of just opening a nice dialogue about this beautiful game of soccer game week 20 thank you all for listening to top bins with twins and we will be right back here next week wrapping up game week 21 thank you